What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joe Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and Riv. This is now episode 44 of the podcast. And in this episode, it's all NBA. We're going to talk about the Lakers' offseason moves, the Rockets signing DeMarcus Cousins, if the Hawks can make the playoffs, if the Blazers are a sleeper team in the Western Conference, Gordon Hayward's massive contract, and the New York Knicks' offseason. And we're going to finish off the episode talking about which player are we going to take between De'Aaron Fox, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and Bam Adebayo. So, all-NBA show, I'm excited for this one. Are you? Are you excited? <laughs> I am excited for this one. I'm pumped. You know I, I'm personally a bigger NBA fan than an NFL fan. Same. So, I I, I always like the all-basketball episodes. We're getting close, too. <laughs> December 22nd, so we're like a month away from opening day. And that, that's been one of the best things of this offseason for me is, like, you look at the MLB offseason and everything is going so slow. The cool thing about this NBA offseason was, like, in one week, we've had everything happen. Yeah, and it's kind of bizarre that the NBA season is starting so quickly. Usually, we have much more of a gap between the draft, free agency, and then the preseason and regular season. So, this is pretty bizarre because now, like, we're going to have to start covering NFL and NBA, but at a much more grandiose stage. There's going to be so much to talk about. We might not even get to all of it. No, we'll get to all of it. So what are your thoughts, Riv? On what? <laughs> Look, mighty quiet over there. I just wait, man, because, like, you know, I'm just excited, man. College is back. NBA is going to be back soon. NFL is here. So I'm just excited that we still, even with all this COVID mess, we still get to enjoy the happiness of sports. So I'm just happy. Okay. Yo, I actually, damn, bro. Oh. The whole live caught that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even hit record on my camera. It's fine because it's just for the segment. So, you know, we're good. At okay. least we caught it now. Yeah, exactly. Imagine. So, okay, we're going to go into our first topic of the day. Simple question. Did the Lakers have the best offseason? I want to know your take on this first, Jack. Yeah, so I thought that even if they didn't have the best, I think that they were right there in the teams that improved the most because you look at it at the beginning of the offseason, and I think a lot of people had concerns about the Lakers, what they were going to look like going into next year, and what they were going to do this offseason because they were losing, or, or Rondo's contract was up, KCP's contract was up, Dwight Howard's contract was up, and all those guys played huge roles for them this past season. Avery Bradley is another guy. And the question was, how are they are they going to bring them back? How are they going to make the money work? And, you know, w- what's their plan? Amazingly, not only did they come back just as good, they came back even better, in my opinion. They mm-hmm. went out and got the two six-man-of-the-year candidates in Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell. And really quickly on Montrezl Harrell, I've never been a huge fan of his. But if there's anybody that his game works perfectly with, it will be Anthony Davis, a, a top lo- top of the line big in the league. Anthony Davis can also stretch the floor and shoot it. So 
you know, Harrell can be down low in the paint and Anthony Davis can play around the around the key uh, or around the three-point line. And then on defense, you could have Harrell guard the four and AD guard the five. So I thought that was a perfect fit. And then to offload Danny Green's contract, who a lot of Lakers fans hated last off season, or last postseason, and, and to replace him with Wesley Matthews, I thought was a huge W. They brought back Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and now they have Anthony Davis lined up for either a Supermax extension or a one-on-one player option if Giannis doesn't sign the Supermax. And who knows, if Giannis doesn't sign, you left yourself enough leeway next season, you can make a bid at him. So I give Rob Polinka all the credit in the world. I think that even last year, he did a great job recovering after Kawhi made his decision so late. And they thought that they were in on him, so they had to scramble. And over the past year and a half, he's just done a masterful job. Uh, you said a lot there, Jack. And the Lakers, are, they are a good pick, and I think they had one of the best offseasons. But I think Atlanta's offseason was a little better just for the simple fact that they filled a lot of holes that they needed to fill. And I think for the importance of – because, you know, L.A., they just won a chip last year. So how much can they really get better – but I feel like with Atlanta, they were one of the worst teams in the league last year. And now getting Rondo, who can not only help the team, but help Trey Young in his further development. They get Chris Dunn, who will be able to play D in that backup point guard spot. You get Bogdan. You bring in Clint Capella last year. And then you pick up – I'm sorry, pardon me. You get John Collins back another full season. You get Cam Reddish. You got DeAndre Hunter. You got all these young guys. So now you got a new team – with Lloyd Pierce, who's still a young coach, and got all these guys developing together, I think this team definitely had one of the best off-seasons. I also think Philly had a great off-season with the fact that they, last year, they had a team that was just scrambling. They didn't know, they had pieces everywhere. They didn't know what they wanted to do. Now you bring in Danny Green, you bring in Seth Curry, who were shooters, knockdown shooters. Danny Green was also, a, still can play at a high level on defense. You bring in those guys to complement Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So I think those two teams had the best off-season so far. I don't agree that Atlanta had a, had the best offseason. Maybe they might make the playoffs, and that's a question that we're going to answer later on in the show. But I think the Lakers did have the best offseason. They clearly needed something different. You mentioned Danny Green. Danny Green, this guy was trending on Twitter every other day because he was in some sort of shooting slump. They replaced Danny Green with Wesley Matthews, and I feel like they're the same type of player. You know, Wesley, Wesley Matthews, Matthews and is Danny a better Green, version of Danny Green at this debatable. point. At this point, I in think his they career. might be kind They're of around the same. same. But bottom bottom line is that you replaced a guy with another guy. They're pretty much the same. Their game styles are the same. You mentioned KCP re-signing. That was a great move as well. But also, you get Dennis Schroeder, a guy who shot, I think, I believe, thirty nine percent from the three or thirty eight percent from the three. He's a gritty, tough nosed defender. He can come off the bench. He can start. He can accept any role. And then you have Montrez Harrell, too, who I actually am high on him in the right system. And with the Lakers, he won't be asked to defend opposing bigs like he was with the Clippers. And the Clippers, they had him on Jokic. He was getting torched. But on the yep. Lakers, they don't even have to do that anymore. The Lakers got better this this offseason. They have, they're planning to two-peat, and I think they can do it. You have Schroeder. LeBron, Matthews, Harrell, Davis, KCP, 
And they brought in Marcus Gasol too, another guy that I, I forgot, forgot about. about. Gasol. So, so their three big man lineup last year was Javale, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis. Coming into the season, Javale and Dwight Howard were pretty much total question marks. Mm-hmm. And granted, they both I think exceeded expectations at least in the regular season, and Javale yeah. didn't perform in the but playoffs. But they were unplayable in that rock. Exactly. Series. Now you bring in Marcus Gasol, who's been there with the Raptors. You know he has that championship DNA, and I think he can also stretch it better than Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee, and Montrezl Harrell, who I think just is, is one, a better player than either of those two guys, and two, will play much better next to Anthony Davis than either of those guys. And Gasol can shoot, even though he had a slump in, with the Raptors in the playoffs. I think that was more injuries than anything, though. Yeah, but he could shoot. Bottom line is he could shoot. Yeah. And you still have Kuzma, who's totally gotten forgotten yeah, in all of this. Oh he didn't get Who forgotten. knows? He sucks. I don't think he sucks. He, did, he definitely does not suck. He's, that was, he's bad. He, here's the thing, and... Admittedly, I'm a big LeBron fan, but one thing that some LeBron fans do is they will tear down some of LeBron's teammates that don't deserve it. Kyle Kuzma, although he didn't have the best season last year or the season that people wanted him to have, he was solid. He was more than solid for the Lakers more often than not. And to have him now growing another year with all of that great veteran presence in the locker room, I'm excited to see what he can be in, you know, not a huge role. He doesn't have to do too much. And another thing about the Schroeder signing is one of the biggest question marks all playoffs long for the Lakers was their guard play. Who was going to pack that punch at the guard position? And every night it was a question mark. One night it was KCP. One night it was Danny Green. And when there was no guard play, they counted on LeBron or Anthony Davis to do it all, and that's just not sustainable. So to bring in Schroeder, who you know you're going to get 18 a night from, that's a really nice cushion to bring in. I think Dennis Schroeder was a huge – I think it was one of the best steals of the offseason. I'm not I, – I don't want to – I'm not too high on Montrez. I got to see it first for me to understand the Montrez Harrell signing. But I think with Atlanta, the fact that they were so low last year – and that they're now projected to be a pretty solid team with also, I, I don't know how I forgot this, the signing of Danilo Gallinari, who I think is probably the equivalent yeah. of getting Dennis Schroeder in the trade. I think those two guys are going to be huge for the teams, but I think getting Danilo Gallinari, a guy who has made the playoffs last year, he had a really solid year. I think getting him in that lineup for the Hawks is going to be huge because now you have shooters at almost every position. And now there is, you look at that team, Atlanta, they're they have defensive players almost at every position, point guard, forwards, centers. They have shooters, point guards, forwards, centers. So you've got a team that's well-rounded in a sense. So I think filling those holes so fast in a short offseason, I think that's why they had the best offseason. I see your point. They're, they're two totally different they're places right now. They're two different right scenarios. Atlanta's trying to be relevant, yeah. and the Lakers are trying to win a championship. You know, I think it's hard to get better as a championship team but the Lakers somehow managed to do it and get significantly better at that. They and still their, have Caruso, too. And in their cap situation, which, I mean, they did not have a lot of room to operate. And I don't know that you're going to find many guys. I Correct me if I'm mistaken. They got Montrez for two years, almost 19. 18, 19 8.5. You're not going to find many guys better for that money. So early prediction for you guys, a question. To be fair, his market was really low. After, Dude, the after the Charlotte playoffs. offered him nineteen million. Really? Yeah. Charlotte, I th- well, Charlotte I, offered Gordon Hayward thirty. I so. think that he went to the Lakers to solely to prove a point. So, quick question to you guys, real quick: Will the Lakers two peat? If I had to bet on it today, 
I would feel most confident putting my money on the Lakers. I think they should be the favorites, unless the Nets get James Harden. I think right now, though, it should be them, Nets, Clippers, but I think L.A. is number one right now. It should be the favorites. I agree. I think the Lakers should be the favorites, my, unless James Harden goes to the Nets. My yeah, big the reasoning Nets for it. surpass them as the favorites, in is, my opinion. Or uh, James Harden goes to Philly. A big question. I put, hold on, Jack. I wouldn't. I don't James Harden going to Philly doesn't make them the favorites. If you if you swap like, in if for they Ben Simmons, it. if it's Harden, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Joel Embiid, no. Seth Curry, guys no. like that, I think they could become the was, favorites. Nah, I don't think so. Uh, the big reason that I say the Lakers is because coming into this season, a huge question for them was what was LeBron going to be because you didn't know what AD was either. And I think AD showed this season that even if LeBron isn't the LeBron that we know, AD can take over games. There's no question about it. He did it for most of the regular season. And I think in the playoffs, it was a little bit more LeBron than Anthony Davis. But we know Anthony Davis can do that. And he is also one of, if not the biggest matchup issue in the NBA. Yeah, There's I agree. A, maybe like him, Bam Adebayo, and Giannis are the only three similar type players in the league. I agree. And I think going into the 2020-2021 season... LeBron and the eight and AD are the top two players in the world. I know you guys gave me a lot of pushback for that one of these last episodes, but I do believe that LeBron and AD are the top two players in the world, and Anthony Davis is the second best player in the world. And even if we, even though we didn't agree, I think we all agreed AD was undisputably top five. No, you didn't. I believe I did. No, we, me, and you were tossing around if he was because the top five is a very. Me and you were tossing around him in the five six range. No, no other team has two guys of that caliber. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, if James Harden goes to the Nets, yeah, that's yeah. a whole different story. Yeah. Don't don't get us started on that again. They do have the best duo in the league, though the Lakers. A hundred percent. I expect the them to either get to the Western Conference Finals or win the championship. I like obviously Laker fans. It's championship or bust, this and I feel a, like that's how the league should feel. That's how the fans should feel. This is going to be the and first time in a while the Lakers it. are, you know, heavy favorites going in, and they're going to be championship or bust. I think, you know, a couple other teams in Milwaukee made some good transitions. They made some, getting Drew Holiday, uh, the Clippers getting Serge Ibaka, so they now have a, you know, big man who can play defense. Phoenix getting Chris Paul, you know, a lot of good things. But I think L.A. and Atlanta, and um, I think those two, for me, would be the top two teams that really showed some difference this offseason. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about the Atlanta. Actually, we're going to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, man. Another Western Conference team. The Portland Trailblazers made some good offseason moves. They brought in Robert Covington. They brought in Ennis Cantor. Resan Mello, too. Resan Mello and brought in Derek Jones Jr. Should they be sleepers in the Western Conference? And what I mean by that is a more specific question. Do you think they finish top three in the Western Conference or they have the potential to be the number one seed in the Western Conference? I'll start because I, I oh, okay. feel strongly about this topic. I think that the Trailblazers are the third best team in the Western Conference. Oh. I think they're definitely top three. I think they could yeah. jump the Lakers and the Clippers because you know sometimes with teams with Lolo's talent, you know they, they can take breaks in the regular season. And the Trailblazers, I think, are coming off of last season where they put themselves in a position that they needed the bubble to make the playoffs, I think that as long as they stay healthy, they're going to come out firing on all cylinders. I love their lineup. Getting Nurkic back is going to be huge. He was a major loss for them in the playoffs last year. Um, 
I, I just really think that they filled holes. Bringing in Robert Covington was another super underrated move. I know you saw him a lot with the Rockets last year. I think he's one of the more underrated guys in the NBA in his role. And when you look at the standings, like, I just don't see who is better than them outside of the Lakers and Clippers. You can make an argument for the Nuggets will be there depending on how their young talent progresses. I think Dallas maybe. Other than that, Dallas, depending on what, what they do health-wise and how Luka progresses. But outside of that, I don't see anybody that's even close to those four, five teams. And personally, I think Portland is going to be a top three team in the West. I, I disagree, but not to the sense I think Portland's going to be dangerous. I think they filled the hole they needed to fill, you know, getting wings that can defend. Bringing back Rodney Hood was also a good move for them. So I think they're, they filled that wing position, you know, Covington, Mello, Rodney Hood. But I think they'll finish around fourth or fifth. I think Dallas is going to be trouble. Denver, Clippers, you know, the Rockets, if they still keep Westbrook and Harden, they're going to, you know, they're going to be a regular season team that's going to win a lot of games, the Lakers. So I think they're going to definitely be in that five, four, six range. Now, do I think they're going to go far in the playoffs? I think it depends on the matchups and who they play. Yeah. But I think with a player like Dame going into the playoffs, you know, you have a superstar, you got CJ. I still feel like they need like that third. I don't know if Nurkic is that third star yet because he hasn't. He's always hurt for some reason, so I, I don't know if he's that third star. Yeah, I still think they need that third guy, but I think if Nurkic does become that guy, then I think they're going to be dangerous for any team. Before you go, I'll amend my statement. I I feel confident saying they will finish thir- top three or four because the Nuggets should be in that mix. The Nuggets should definitely be in that mix after the season they had. The Nuggets won't be better than the Blazers. Mm. This upcoming season, Nuggets lost Jeremy Grant Michael Porter Jr. doesn't play a lick of defense. We always get sold on this young talent that Denver has, but we don't know how they're going to develop. I'm more sold on teams that have proven players. Portland has proven players. And Robert Covington, Melo, just came off a pretty good season with Portland. You have Ennis Cantor off the bench who can give you 20 and 10 any night if he gets the minutes to do it. He also doesn't play Dito. Yeah, defensively he's, he's, is the only he, problem with him. Defense is his problem, but it gets over-exaggerated just how awful he is at that end. Cantor is, he he shows effort. That's the important thing, that he shows effort. I'm going to say this. The Portland, Bla- the Portland Trailblazers are going to not only finish top three in the Western Conference, but they're going to have the number one seed this upcoming season. Yeah, you're trolling. The Lakers, the Lakers are load managing. LeBron has even came out and said he doesn't want to play this early. They're going to rest some games. We already know Kawhi and his situation. He always takes off, teams, takes games off. I think Portland, with their depth and their starters, they're going to take this season serious. And I think Damon CJ are looking at this roster, looking at Terry Stotts, and they're saying, wow, this is the best chance we have to compete for a championship. This roster is the best roster that we've ever had in Portland. What do they need? They needed the wing defenders. They got Derrick Jones Jr., who I think is a great two and elite wing defender. He doesn't look like it because he's very skinny in his frame, but he has long arms. He can get steals. He's a good defender. He can stay in front of guys. Robert Covington, an underrated guy who can not only defend perimeter people, perimeter wings, but he's one of the better shot blockers for his height. He was playing center for the Rockets and averaging 2.5 blocks a game. I mean, they have... Their position of needs filled. Rodney Hood is coming back from injury. Like I said, Ennis Cantor, 
just their potential starter lineup is Dame, CJ, Covington, Mello, Nurkic. Off the bench, they have Canner, Jones Jr., Zach Collins, Gary Trent, Anthony Simons, Rodney Hood. Like these guys can all play. And I think Portland is looking at this season as an opportunity to prove to everybody else that they're the team to beat and they should be respected. And that's why I think they're going to finish with the number one seed in the Western Conference. And even if there's some injuries, they have the depth to win games, even if guys are out. Now, let me ask you something, because I actually agree with you on that. Like I said, I could totally see them ending up with the one seed. Come playoff time, how do you feel about them? Because for me, like I look at teams like the Lakers and Clippers, and no matter where they're seated, I feel much more confident in them come playoff time than the Blazers or even the Nuggets. Come playoff time, I'm not too confident. I'm more confident because Dame doesn't have to see Drew Holiday in the Western Conference, so that helps. And Riv, you mentioned the third star and how that might affect them come playoff time. I don't see any team in the Western Conference that has a third star. The Lakers have AD, LeBron, and is Schroeder a third star? Or is, he a, is he a very no, good but, role player? but when you have, okay, so they may not, those teams like the Lakers and the Clippers may not have a third star, but they, Kawhi, AD, and LeBron are, are LeBron and Kawhi and AD, in your mind, are probably top five players on earth. Yeah. So it's and Dame it's, is a top ten player. Yeah. So it's, and CJ, the drop off between each guy's second player is kind of like, you know. So and with with Portland for me, I feel like it just comes to a mismatch. Like the Lakers would be a mismatch for them just for the simple fact that Nurkic can't keep up with AD at any point in the game, and that was their problem. Even when yeah. Nurkic wasn't playing, that was their problem when they played LA. They didn't have they didn't have a wing to guard LeBron. They had Gary Trent on. Now he's a good defender, but he's only six five. Now they have that though. Yeah, they have Robert Covington, but we saw in the Rockets series, Robert Covington, even when he switched on and was guarding LeBron sometimes, he can't stick with LeBron. It's different, though, because when when you have Covington on LeBron and then you have no rim protector, you're much more likely to just drive to Nurkic the basket. Nurkic is a rim protector? I think he is. Uh, I think he I is. Think, I think you're just saying that because he's seven feet tall. No, I th- I've seen him play defense. I think he is. I, wouldn't, I don't know about a rim protector. Even if, even if they do... Have that rim protected thing. He's still you still have to worry about AD. But outside of outside of the Lakers, I mean, yeah. I think they can beat the Clippers in a series. I can see. I I definitely that. think that that is more realistic than beating the Lakers just I'll personnel say, wise. I I'll say their ceiling, or I think my expectation for them is getting to the Western Conference Finals. I can With definitely this see roster that. construction losing to the Lakers. That's the only team that I say that I see. Yeah, Lakers have the upper hand, no doubt about it. But everybody else, they can beat Denver. I mean, they beat them already. They can beat Denver. They can beat the Clippers. And then after the Clippers, Lakers, Denver, every other team is up for grabs in the Western Conference. I I definitely agree with that. I I think that the the upper echelon right now is the Lakers and Clippers clearly. I think the Nuggets have creeped themselves into that category with them exceeding expectations last year. And I think the Trailblazers deserve a seat in that conversation and the Mavericks are borderline. I don't I don't know what the Mavericks are going to be yet. I want to see them no, before I agree I with say you. That. I think their their ceiling should be Western Conference. I think outside of LA, I, I w- if I, I would pick the Clippers, but I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. the Blazers beat the Clippers. But I think Lakers would be the only mismatch because they have a center who can it, play. If you lose to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, that's a successful season for the Blazers. In my I mean like it's it's never a successful season to lose, but judging it from 
us analyzing it, I would say that that would be a successful season for the Blazers. I mean, the Dame, if it wasn't for their record, he would have been in the MVP conversation. Yeah. And some guys even had him in the MVP conversation despite the team's record. And they dealt with a lot of injuries early on in the season. So for them to even put themselves in a position to get to the bubble with playoff hope says a lot about what he did for that team. Like a hypothetical. What about Houston? Oh, we'll talk we about them. We'll so we haven't them. talked about Houston at all. Like, can they beat Houston? We're gonna, I think they can beat Houston. We're going to talk about Houston, but I'll say this really quickly. I think the turmoil in Houston is too much. Exactly. We'll we'll talk about that. Though but before later. we move on to the next topic, this is what I was making. The, the point I was making about the injuries is that Nurkic. Let's say, God forbid, obviously all this. God forbid this happens. Yeah, but if it happens, it Nurkic happens. gets hurt. Canner can slide into. Be a starting but center. But you're comfortable with Canner starting at the center position at this point in his career? Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, I am. Defensively, I'm not, but I'm comfortable That's, that's what I'm Kenner. saying. Defense, because his, that, his problem fair. is the reason why he yeah, comes but you off know, the bench but you the know, last couple But you years. know that in limited minutes with the Boston Celtics, he set the Celtics record, franchise record for most offensive rebounds. No, he's a, no, he's a great – no, he's offensively I mean, everything Yeah, he's offensively, at. but he's a great but rebounder should, but, as well. But look what you just told me. In limited minutes, if he, he's starting, it won't be limited minutes. Oh yeah, I know, but so he played a team. I'm saying, yeah, but in limited minutes, he did something that nobody's ever done. Yeah, no, imagine what yeah. he would do if he had the minutes. But you said offensively, though. His problem has never in his life. But been I think offense. rebound is, rebounding is a part of defense as well. Defensive rebounding, yeah, yeah. He's one. He's a great defensive rebounder yeah, too. Is he he's a great, a great rebounder in is general. He a great defender. Is he even good? He's, defender? he's not a good defender, but I wouldn't. I'd be comfortable starting Canner. If he starts, I think if, he's. Like, we're not. If, we're not going to go on and off about Canner. Re- regular Canner is a good player. Regular season, like he's a scrub. We're not saying he's not regular. Saying if in a, if Cantor is starting, that's where I start getting question marks when I'm playing teams with a great center like L.A. Denver, because he's okay. He but we're defense. talking about the regular season, like regular if, season. I feel fine. Yeah, with we're Cantor. talking about if they oh, okay. get hurt during the regular season. Look I at, feel comfortable starting Canner. Okay. Let's say Covington gets hurt or Melo. Derrick yeah. Jones Jr., Robin yeah. Hood, they could slide in those spots and they and won't put lose Nurkic much. At the okay, okay. I, if ne- regular season, I'm fine with that. But you look at the Celtics, who he was literally with prior to this, I thought that the biggest thing that was holding them back was the, was the fact person. that they didn't have a center. That was the thing that scared me the most about them because when you look at the teams that they have to match up with, Giannis and the Bucks, you need a presence in the, in, in the paint. Bam Adebayo and the Heat, you need that presence. If you make it he to the finals, play. Anthony Davis, you need that. And Cantor, and Cantor, first of all, got usurped by Tice in the rotation come playoff time def- because defense. defensively he couldn't be out there. And Tice, to me, was just not good enough to be a starting center in the playoffs. So that was my biggest concern for them last year, and I would echo the same thing for the Trailblazers this year is come playoff time, He's really not an option to start at the No, five. yeah, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is that, obviously, in the playoffs, in order to, to beat the top teams, they got to be fully healthy. Yeah. But in the regular season, it's good if, Nurk- if Nurkic is out for 10 games, do I am I comfortable with Kander yeah. starting 10 games and, and feeling confident that I could win seven of those? I do. I'm 100% with you on that. It's, yeah, re- that. it's, it's great depth to have for the regular season. Yeah. Portland barely made the playoffs last year. A team that made the playoffs over them was the Oklahoma City Thunder. They lost Chris Paul, or they traded Chris Paul. They they let Gallinari walk. They let Nerlens Noel walk as well. I forgot who else left, too. I'm not sure. Steven Adams got traded. Steven Adams got traded. They had Oubre. They lost Mm -hmm. Oubre. Their roster, 
a lot of stuff is it's happened. Just shy. And we're going to talk about Sam Presti's job as a GM real quick. And we're just going to explain Oklahoma City's moves and we're going to talk about the future and answer the ultimate question. When is he going to start using all of these picks, all of these assets that he's acquired to make a big time move for possibly a superstar, which is probably what he should do with all of these assets? Yeah, well, you you look at Sam Presti in general as a GM since, you know, going all the way back. He's terrific in the draft, and, and you've seen how much talent Oklahoma City has produced over the past few years. I mean, you could go, Steven Adams started there, Jeremy Grant started there, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. For a couple years. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is another guy. So, like, they have deve- they've drafted and developed so much talent. So, having that many picks, they could pick with all of them and then – you know, develop 22 great players and use those pieces, but that's not how it's going to go. I just want to highlight the fact that he is a great drafter, so even if he has to pick with all of the picks, you can feel confident with him at the helm. And then when it comes down to it, when he has been forced to make moves, I think he's done a pretty darn good job of doing it. And that's going all the way back to the James Harden saga where he ended up dealing him, and I know James Harden ended up being... I would say the second best out of those three players, but if he stayed in Oklahoma City, I don't think there's any way he reaches that ceiling, you know, with with the amount of touches that he would have had behind Kevin Durant and Westbrook. And then Kevin Durant leaves and he first of all, he made a great bid for Kevin Durant to stay, going out getting Oladipo, making a move to convince him to stay. And then when he didn't, he shifted gears, he brought in Paul George. You know, he kept bringing in talent and making his team a competitor. And then when they had to go into reset mode, he literally pulled off the biggest heist in NBA history, sending Paul George to the Clippers for all the assets they got back. Got a great deal for Westbrook. So, I mean, he has just been masterful. So I would trust him any direction he wants to go moving forward. And then you look at it, 2021 is arguably the most highly touted draft class since 2003. Cade Cunningham is supposed to be the next big thing. Jalen Green's in the draft class. I can go on and on. So I think that that is going to be a draft that they really target. You look at what they've done with their roster, they've essentially gutted it. So it's going to be Shake Elge Alexander essentially taking that leap. And then... the, the good thing is that they kept their core young players. Lugans Dort is still there. Darius Basley, who, I am, who I'm high on, yeah. is still there. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is still there. And people, even though they made these moves and their roster is pretty much gutted, I think they'll still be a competitive team. Do I expect them to make the playoffs? Absolutely not. But when you... When Steven Adams leaves and Al Horford slides in to be the starting center, is that a huge drop-off from Adams to Horford? I no. don't think so. I think Horford gives that team more spacing. It gives Shea more room to drive to the basket. Then, like, let's say George Hill, he's there now. He shot 46% from three last year. 46% from three. Basically, every every other shot he made from three. So your starting point guard is Hill. Starting shooting guard is Shea. Then at the three, you could put in Ariza there to start. You know, I don't think he's a bad player or stick with Dort. Then at the four, Basley, and at the five, Horford. I don't think that's a bad lineup. Yeah, I think and, that's competitive. And those guys that you mentioned, Hill, Ariza, Horford, are all very good veteran presences. And you look at when they brought in Chris Paul last year, everybody questioned the move. What does he have to offer? Why wouldn't they flip him? And then he went out, had a basically 
reinvigorated season. And then he went out and got an even better deal for him, which he turned into like five first picks in the end with all the moves he made off of it. So do I think that Al Horford and George Hill are going to come in and do that? No, but can they come in, put up some better numbers and get flipped for more assets? It's a possibility. You never know with the Thunder. I don't know what they're doing down there, but in bigger roles, you know, George Hill's probably going to be the starting point guard and Horford is going to be starting at center more than likely. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them play better this season and maybe they could get flipped. So it's just, I feel like he's always one step ahead of everything. And then on top of that, like, <laughs> he's been good. No, this dude has a plan. I, I don't know what it is, but I know this is, I think he's looking at these young guys, these, the Monty Bates of the world, the Chet yeah. Holmgrens of the world, the Mikey Williams. He's like, okay, like, I'm not going to bank my future and my job <laughs> on these guys. But he's like, okay, I'm watching. Because just like you said, 2021 draft, there's about 10 to 12 maybe 13 guys who you're like, damn, these could be the guys. So it's like, I don't know what he's doing <laughs> on these picks. Like, he got like 30, 40 picks. I don't know. I think they're up to 19 in the next six years. Yeah, and I, Just but, thinking about how he's fleeced some teams, getting a first for Ubre, just how he's done and how he's really turned all of these players into first-round picks is pretty amazing to think about. Like, they have a bunch of first-round picks going forward. And cap. They're going to have cap. He's been playing 2K, essentially, in real life. And now you look at them them this year with as good as the Western Conference is, and this isn't even a knock on the Thunder because I think that, like you said, they'll be competitive. They'll probably be one of the worst seeds, one of the worst teams in the conference. because the West is so stacked. Yeah, so they're going to be high in the the lottery odds, and they're going to have another, what, four picks Next year in the lottery, so or maybe not in the lottery, but in the draft. So I think that next year you're going to start to see the gears start to turn. They're going to uh, draft one of those top prospects next year, pair like him with Shea, and then you'll start to see the picks start moving, the cap space start getting used, and a vision start to be enacted. And I want to mention that they drafted, I don't, if I mispronounce his name, I'm sorry. Oh, the Alexei. But Alexei's. Poku, Pokuzewski. He's probably going to start at the four. A guy who's a kind of a unicorn. Like, he he has a lot of potential. Who knows who he can become? And if there's one organization that can develop him into the right player, it's it's the Thunder. They might have the best player development in the whole league. It's just, uh, what if what if Sam Presti, in these next up-and-coming years, he drafts well, and the players that he drafts end up becoming kind of a mirror of the KD, Westbrook, and Harden trio, and they end up becoming all-stars and Hall of Famers. I feel like that's what he's doing. I think he's trying to rebuild that Westbrook-Harden, but this time he won't trade none of them away. Yeah, And 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 that's what I think he's going to do eventually. The other problem with that situation is you go back and realistically, it should have been Westbrook and KD for the next five years and beyond. That was solely on Kevin Durant being... Just a different guy. Like Kevin Durant, everything you read about him and is he's not the conventional NBA superstar. He's not the conventional person. So Weirdo. even though the Thunder did everything they could right to get him back, he still left. And that's just an unfortunate thing that they had no control over. So if you can rebuild that again, the odds are you're going to be able to keep at least two of those guys for a decade. So they have all the right pieces in place. And now it's just about finishing out the game correctly. My only concern about it is that the NBA is so much different than the NFL in terms of 
in the draft, let's say a team lands a number one pick and they're going to select either Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green, whatever, whoever it is. No team is going to trade out that pick regardless of I don't how think, many picks. I'm going to be honest them. with you. I don't think nobody's trading out the top five next year. Yeah. And I would be very surprised. Even, even if they have all these picks, oh, we can offer you eight picks, eight first rounders for that fourth pick or the second pick. I think they still see in that. a loaded draft class, like 2021, I don't think any of those teams are looking to move out. I, so I OKC has to hope that they land in one of those lottery spots. And it's possible. Like we've seen the Pelicans be competitive just two seasons ago, yeah. and then land Zion. Like, you know, it happens. You don't have to be, in this modern lottery system, you don't have to be completely awful to land the number one pick. Tanking doesn't even really I, work I think, anymore. I think that's why Sam Presti did what he did, just because he knows that the fact that they can be, they can lose 82 games in a row and still might not get the number one pick in the drafts. So I think getting all those picks to assure that they have multiple picks in the first round, second round, whatever, I think that was good for him. And on top of that, they have brought in guys outside of lottery picks that they have developed really well. So I trust them drafting. Lugan Dortz went on draft. Yeah, exactly. So their development system is really strong. They drafted Teo, Teo, Teo Maladin, too, out of France. Yeah, so even if they don't. His name is Teo? That was Theo. I, yeah, I think they're definitely going to have at least one lottery pick. So hopefully you get good odds on that land in the top five somewhere, and then you're going to have picks sprinkled throughout the rest of the first round that I trust them drafting in those spots. Yeah, I agree. OKC faced the Rockets in the first round of the playoffs last season in a nail-biter. It went to seven games. James Harden had a defensive block to win that series oh, in game why seven. Why do I think you say, said the Lakers? My no. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was like seven games. The Rockets made some offseason moves. Most notably, they just signed DeMarcus Cousins, a former all-star center. Hope he, hope they he signed Christian Wood as well. I think Christian Wood has all-star potential. Are the Rockets contenders? Now they're not going small ball. They're, they're getting centers now. They, they just got two done. good ones. Are and they contenders? Should they be taken seriously? I think if... And I know it's a big if, but I know Boogie's been hurt the last couple of years. But I, I hope I do because I like Boogie's a player. I do hope he comes back and he's gonna play well. If he plays well, you know, you got him who's still, if healthy, one of the best post players in the league. He can rebound offensively and defensively. He can stretch the floor too. He can shoot from the mid range and the three. And he's a very underrated passer at the big man's position. You got Christian Wood who can play defense, block shots. He can also shoot the three ball. So not only did you get bigs who can. Or big men, but you got bigs who can stretch the four. Like you can legit play five out with those guys. Well, no, Westbrook can't. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Like you can legit play five out with these guys. I think they made the proper moves to keep Harden happy. I don't know about Westbrook because I feel like he's just he wants to go regard. But I think these are good moves to keep Harden happy because you still have PJ Tucker who can come off the bench or you can start him. You still have Ben McLemore who shot at I think a 43% clip from three. Yep. You did lose Jeff Green. You did lose Robert Covington. So you don't have those wing guys. But you still have a good team that I think, like I was saying before, I think can compete with Portland because you still have that guy at the top, James Harden. I think can compete with Denver. I think can compete with Dallas. So I think with those two additions, those big men who you had trouble with last year because, you know, you were playing 6'5 big men, which is just not going to work. I think now you have a chance to really get back and be contenders in the West. The Rockets' time is done. They're not contenders anymore. It doesn't matter what they do, who they sign. They're they're either making moves to stay the same or making moves to go backwards. 
The move to trade for Westbrook was a move to go backwards. Not re-signing Trevor Ariza after you lost in Game 7 in 2018 against Golden State was a move to go backwards. In order to get a wing, you trade Capella, get Covington. You stayed the same. Now you lost Covington, your best wing defender, and you're bringing centers. You stayed the same. Their problem was, was a wing guy. They got him. They let him go. They had to get a wing guy, but now their problem became their center. Now their problem isn't the center, and their problem is the wing. So they're staying the same. They're not getting better. They're, they're moving laterally. These aren't moves that are going to take the top off of anything. Like These are the same moves. Maybe now P.J. Tucker can slide to the three and finally not guard seven-footers. It might make a difference. But what is DeMarcus Cousins going to be? Is he going to stay healthy? I don't know that. Right now, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And even if he does, and last time he was healthy, he averaged yeah. 16 with the Warriors, he's never been a good defender. And that's what you need in order to guard Jokic, in order to guard Anthony Davis. And Christian Wood, I think he has all-star potential. He averaged 13-6 and six with Detroit, and in per 36 minutes, he was averaging 22-11 and 11 He if he played 36 minutes. Houston has to blow this team up. They have to trade James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, get Karras in there, get Dinwiddie in there, get Jared Allen in there, and now you have a team that is Dinwiddie. You can still make the playoffs with Dinwiddie, that team. You can. Dinwiddie, Levert, Jared Allen, Christian Wood, Eric Gordon, and you just restart rebuilding. Give Harden the chance to win a championship. It's not with you guys, and I'm sick of it. Uh-huh. I'm sick of them not trying to trade Harden. Trade Harden so he can win a championship. Hard, I'm going to be honest, though. Harden said he liked these offseason moves. There was actually a report that he liked them, but... Who cares? They're not going to win. Houston should trade Harden. That's my final question. verdict. What was that? What was that video of James Harden putting the cap bottle on yeah. the fact that all these rumors? Like, what's that about? That that's the thing. Like with with all the rumors and everything that's happened this offseason, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But with everything that we've heard, I find it hard to imagine that the Rockets can still compete. How are they going to enter the locker room again with two guys that they openly shopped? Forget shopped. They were trying as hard as they possibly could to trade both of their top two players. No, I, I say they were trying to trade Westbrook, not Harden. I don't think they were trying to trade Fair, Harden. fair. They, Brooklyn, sh- they I think still Brooklyn sh- is trying to get Harden. They still shopped Harden. I, I think that that's fair nah, to say. They, they, I mean, no, their statement as soon as those trades came is that we're committed to James Harden being our star They're player. They're shopping Westbrook. Yeah, they never, they never openly said they were shopping Harden. Harden was the only one that said he wanted out. Either way, with all of the rumors, I find it hard to imagine that they're going to come in and the chemistry is going to be fine. And I know that there was problems with P.J. Tucker this past season. There was problems with Eric Gordon this past season. As as for the pieces they brought in, I love Christian Wood. I think that Christian Wood was a, ter- a terrific signing. I don't know what the Pistons were thinking, letting him go and then paying the same money to, Jeremy Grant. to, to Cody Zeller, Jeremy Grant. Like They brought in five power forwards and let Christian Wood walk. Makes no sense. But That's why they were there I at. think that was a great move, and I think that he is the perfect four to pair alongside James Harden. He can shoot the ball, space the floor, he can defend. I'm super high on Christian Wood. DeMarcus Cousins I'm not as high on just because, like Riff said, he's not a great defender. He's not even really a good defender, and the last time we saw him play with the Warriors healthy, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't boogie. He wasn't the boogie that we know. He was okay. 
He was a role player, but he was no better, I don't think, than he was literally maybe this crazy Enos Cantor was the yeah. name that was going to come to mind for me. And now he's coming off another torn ACL, I believe, was the injury he suffered Something this past like offseason. So, Boogie. to Marcus Boogie. Cousins. It was so, the same thing. he's been out of basketball for a year on top of the year and a half he missed prior to that. So, I just don't know what he's going to be coming back. If you got him like you had him with the Warriors, I think it would be a good fit. He can shoot the ball even though he can't defend. And that's going to be another thing is their defense. I Just wing defenders, you know, I guess they have P.J. Tucker who's a solid wing defender, but then if they take him away from down low, do you trust Christian Wood to guard Anthony Davis and Giannis and Bam? I personally don't. And I think that the biggest problem is going to be the chemistry issues, the rumors that have been swirling, and they have a brand new head coach and Steven Silas who we know nothing about, and this is almost an impossible job to come into Believe and put it or the not, fires out. I trust Steven Silas. I, I think he'll I, I, be a good just, coach. There's something in me that just says yeah. I can trust him. But I, my thing is, if I'm the Rockets, and you, you keep talking about this trade to Brooklyn, this trade to Brooklyn it sounds cool and sounds cool, but... If I'm the Rockets and I'm thinking, I, I I think this is what they're thinking too. It's why they're taking so long. James Harden is a superstar talent. You know, he's the top five player in the world. Why on earth would I trade him for anything less than a superstar if I'm still trying, or somebody with superstar potential? If like I'm still, Ben Simmons, yeah, like like to Philly. Like if I if I'm if I'm looking at it at that, I still want to be competitive. I still want fans in the seat because that brings money. Why trade? No offense, but why trade him to a bunch of good players like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie? I can get. Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, who's superstar talent. Yeah, and why why trade him to a team in the Nets when there are Nets fans that don't believe you should trade four first-round picks for Harden? You said it, not me. But, but I look at it as like if I'm a GM, I'm thinking like, okay, I want to still be competitive by, but still giving away the best player. So Philly looks like the logical response because I'm getting Ben Simmons, who they keep talking about LeBron, new LeBron. Okay, it may not be that. Be a superstar talent. Or Joel Embiid. A guy who's legit like a superstar. Instead of getting Karis LeVert, who we just talked about Boogie, he plays 40 games a year. Spencer Dinwiddie, who, yeah, he's, a, he's what is he, a glorified Lou Will? Okay, Jared Allen. He's Jared Allen. You know, like, I just, I don't see the mindset in the GM. I, I just feel like James Harden should be traded for something you know, much more. I'll be honest, Houston's roster is not bad. I mean, they had, this is my projected starting lineup. This is who I'd start Westbrook, Harden, Gordon. Tucker and Christian. I Wood. think Gordon's a good defender. Off the bench, I'd bring in Cousins, Macklemore, and then like who else is on your bench? Daniel Chris Cousins. Who's starting five again? You said Tucker, PJ, PJ Tucker, Christian Wood. Oh, Daniel House. You should Dan- start him at this. Oh thing. yeah, Daniel House, and then, Harden, and Westbrook. Then and off Gordon. the bench, Demarcus Cousins, yeah. Eric Gordon, Macklemore, Chris Clemens. I don't think that's too bad. It's not a bad you know, team. They can win if everything goes right, but that's the biggest question mark. We've seen Westbrook these past three playoffs has been off. But here's the thing. Westbrook in the regular season last year was really great before pre-bubble. Pre, yeah, but he's never, he, since KD's left OKC, you can see his numbers in the playoffs. He, he'll average 34 on 36% from the field. That's he, your guy. You know, when he had Paul George, he'll average 27 on 40% from the field. He's never efficient in the playoffs. And you mm-hmm. can't win like that. He can't be your second best player. He's too inefficient. The thing with Westbrook is the market is really, really hard for him right now, and people are not really shopping for him. So I understand. They're look and I, what I what I was reading in the reports is the only teams that looked even mightily interested with Charlotte before the Gordon Hayward deal, John Wall and the Wizards, which 
I don't think that makes sense because you're essentially getting a, the same player and then the Knicks, but I think the Knicks backed out of it. So getting John Wall, a guy who hasn't played in two years, doesn't make sense because they're like the same play style. I mean, John Wall's a better passer in a sense, but and I guess a better defender, but he hasn't played in two years. Charlotte doesn't have anything that can offer you anything. So what do you essentially, what is Westbrook's market? Like what, do, what is Rockets are stuck right now. He doesn't have a market. Yeah, that's his market. Nobody wants Westbrook. And that's the biggest thing that's holding the Rockets back is that they can't get anything for a guy who was an MVP in 2017. But now you trade the only guy you can get something for. You think if they, so you think if they trade James Harden for Embiid or Westbrook Embiid would make sense? Harden for Embiid? Because that's the only guy with a market right now. I, I think Houston is not trading for anybody outside of Ben Simmons. I mean, Philly's not going to trade for somebody. Mm-hmm. They're not going to trade Embiid. They're, it's going to be Ben Simmons. Embiid, Ben Simmons and Westbrook would, is terrible. Exactly. And, They'll have to trade Westbrook. And you were talking about moves where they would only go backwards or, or stay the same. And I think that the Westbrook deal was like the final nail in the coffin in that trend where now you've traded for a guy who is, in my opinion, only going to get worse over the next few years. He was relying on athleticism and that is going. His efficiency has dropped every single year since you know he started playing with Paul George. And I just don't see him getting any better. Any better, and you're paying him forty million dollars. So, who's going to want him? He doesn't fit your team. He's just kind of like the the anchor that is going to hold them down. Even with a roster that I think is pretty well constructed, even with all the clouds of rumors above there. So, do you take the John Wall deal and just hope for the best? I think John Wall is a better playmaker than Russell Westbrook and a better shooter. So. I would take it, but he has an injury concern. I think it's a move. It's again a lateral move. Well, so well, I he just said, keep Westbrook. He was on the you know the uh, Stephen Jackson and the Matt Barnes. Uh, yeah. What he said on the, what I'm just telling you what he said. What he said was I'm better than what I was before because he apparently had a bone he injury. Probably won't be. Yeah, he apparently had a bone injury. His foot. And he, yeah, he finally got it fixed. So that's what he said. And supposedly the Wizards said he John Wall never requested a trade. Supposedly they said yeah, he's they just, here. And, but I'm yeah. also now hearing so rumors like, that they're talking about him with the Pistons and Blake Griffin. So, yeah. God only so knows to wrap up this segment, basically, the the Rockets did get better this offseason. But we they still have a ceiling. The Rockets still have a ceiling in second round. They should there should yeah. be serious questions about them. And who knows if Harden and Westbrook will even stay or last the season. Now we're going to talk about a team who didn't make the playoffs this past year, <laughs> made a lot of <laughs> made a lot of off season moves. The Atlanta Hawks they signed Alilu Gallinari, they signed Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella's mm, coming. The name, exactly. I like how you just did that. Will the Atlanta Hawks make the playoffs? What do you guys think? I think ceiling should definitely be playoffs. I'm just the only thing I'm really concerned about is the lineup situation. You know how their problem last year was defense. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. But now if you're starting who are you going to start? Because if you start Trey Young and Bogdan, I think we all know Bogdan isn't a defender. You start Gallinari, he's a good defender, but then John Collins is a terrible defender. So now it's kind of like you have three defenders in that are terrible, and Clint and Danilo, who has And to, to start Gallinari, you'd have to put him at the three. Yeah. And he's not, he's he's not, not a three quick defender. enough yeah, he's a four. to guard threes. He can guard fours, and but he can't guard He can guard threes. bigs like they play the four. That's why, so it's confusing on their line. They, they have a tricky situation here, but I think their ceiling should be playoffs. You know, it's the East. They're that team that's coming up. They should be that sixth to eighth spot. Right there in the playoffs. They also got Rajon Rondo and, and Chris Dunn. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not, well, 
I love Chris Dunn. I think Chris Dunn is one of the yes, most underrated know. defenders in the league. <laughs> I can bring up the stats to prove it, we but know. that's for another episode. You said he was the best backup, and I would never forget that. You said he was the best backup point guard in the league. No, he I said he, he was play. the most underrated no, backup in the league. Fact checked you. That's why Jamal no, left. I was like, no, bro, no, no, no. Um, but you mentioned lineups. If I'm not mistaken, they started Kevin Herter at the two most games last year. Oh, so somebody commented Gallo is going to be the backup four. So oh, they okay. confirmed that okay. he's a backup four. Smart. Okay. Okay. So Dan, John Ooh, calls a lot of money for a backup. Exactly. 20 Ooh. million, but whatever. So, so you have to imagine personally what I would do. I know that this is essentially playing positionless basketball, not in the same sense. I would definitely start either Rondo or Chris Dunn with Trey Young because there is no defensively. You need one of those two guys out there with Trey Young. I'm sorry. Trey Young is arguably the worst perimeter defender in the league. I, I just think that you need one of those two guys out there to compliment him defensively, especially considering how bad you are throughout the rest of the lineup. I would say Rondo. That was a, that was a hot take. I would say Ron. I mean, like, you can't the problem start Chris is, though, at the two. you can't start Chris Dunn and you can't start no, you Rondo. You can't start shoot. I think, I think Bogdan should be the starter. My only concern with Atlanta I think Cam is that Atlanta has too much offense and not enough defense. Yeah. This was a team that was 30, 30th in points allowed per game. Capella's a plus defender. So is Onyeka. Who knows what Onyeka's role is going to be? Rondo's a plus defender. Chris Dunn's a plus defender. But their starting lineup, there's not many plus defenders unless, like, who's going to start for Gallo? I'm not sure yet. Who's going to start at the three? Maybe Hunter, probably. He started Reddish, last year. Somebody like that. But it's just when you have $53 million going to Capella, Gallinari, and Bogdanovich combined, that's 46% of the cap. I just don't know what your ceiling is as a team. You know, I think Atlanta made a mistake Mind paying you. Bogdan. I think they made a mistake paying Bogdan, and I say it because I think they got money happy. This reminds yeah. me of what New Orleans did with Anthony Davis early in his career. They wanted to win. They wanted to capitalize on how good this guy was right away. So they went in and they got um, Eric Gordon. I believe they traded for Drew Holiday, and they also mm-hmm. they also got, got Tyreek Evans. Evans. Got to Marcus Cousins exactly. too eventually. No, no, to be fair, though, it was a trade. Yeah. But they they yeah. signed Tyreek Evans. They traded for Drew Holiday, and they gave him big money. And you and ba- p- picked Ryan Anderson up too. Exactly, and you basically get you gave a lot of money to guys who aren't superstar level players. I mean, Gallo, Capella, and Bogdanovich are locked up for the next three years. I think so, Capella. I think we all agreed though, like Capella will eventually go because mm-hmm. of the pickup of Onyeka. The the good thing about Atlanta is that they have players who can become stars. Pelicans didn't have that. Yeah. The Hawks do in Hunter. They have it in Reddish. They have it in Onyeka. Obviously, Trey Young. Mm-hmm. And Trey Young. Yeah, he's already an all But Trey Young is like what I he's not Anthony Davis, but I'm saying like in terms of them having that star player to build around, that yeah. that's that guy. I but just, Atlanta has more potential to have a second guy because they have a younger roster. They have guys they picked up with a lottery pick. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more the gears are turning in my head, as you can probably see. I just wonder how they're going to balance that rotation because at the four and five, and even I guess you could say the three, if you want to add in the three, they have Gallinari, Bogdanovich, John Collins, Onyeka, uh, Clint Capella. Uh, you could say DeAndre Hunter is in that group. Cam Reddish is technically Huter's in that group. Still there Actually, too. To be fair, well, because um, last year, um, so what they rolled out with the first couple games, they rolled out a Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter lineup. That was the first three guys. Alex Lund was starting at center. Yeah, and then they bench Cam. So I think Trey Young, Rondo, Chris Dunn, Cam Reddish, Porter. Those would be the guards. 
You roll out DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Danilo. Those would be the forwards. I think, I think they're gonna start. It's probably gonna be Capella, John Collins. Those are the Trey Young, Capella, John Collins. Yes. Those are the starters on day one. We don't know who are gonna be the two and three. I guess they're gonna fight for that in training camp. But I think DeAndre Hunter is probably gonna start again at the three just for defensive purposes. I don't know about. The two because I don't know if they trust Cam Reddish because he was on fire last year off the bench. So I don't know if they're going to trust him to start again or not. Kevin Harder was the same too. So the good thing know. with Cam Reddish is he is a, a plus defender. Oh, so yeah. if you if you could start him hypothetically you know you're at the get two, the defense, but is he going to play offense? Thing, the good thing about Atlanta is that you you have Danilo off your bench. He can be a six man of the year. And yeah. if you have a bench of Rondo, Gallinari, I think Bogdan and let's say too. if Bogdan comes off the bench, that's the best bench in the NBA along with Onyeka. That's why I, I, I'm starting to like the Onyeka pick much more because now they can trade Capella and have a guy for the future. And Rondo's going to make them significantly better when they come off the bench together. Now, if they trade Capella, if they trade Capella and can get a solid defensive two, that would be I, I would love the fit here, but I just think they have a log jam down low and not enough uh two way at the one and two. I'm I'm gonna say this. Can the Hawks make the playoffs? Yes. Are they a lock to make the playoffs? I don't believe that they're a lock to make a playoffs. I would in in the Eastern Conference, I would say locks for the playoffs. I'm confident in the Bucks, the Celtics, the Heat. The Sixers, if if they stay healthy, the Nets, um, and then I guess you get into the Raptors. I would feel pretty confident, and that's six teams that I think are locks for the playoffs. Exactly. I was do- I was counting the same teams. So now they have to compete with Charlotte, Indiana, Orlando, and Washington for you know? for two spots. Yeah, exactly. I could de- I could easily see them making it. It's I just think a question. Indiana of fit. has more of a shot to be like kind of a lock. I but think that fit-wise, Indiana is much better. I think that Atlanta is more talented, mm-hmm. but the fit in Indiana is better. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, th- you just named it. Six teams who are probably going have a solidified spot in the Eastern Conference to make the playoffs. It's going to be tricky because Atlanta, they're going to fight for those last two spots. And I don't know, do you trust them over Orlando, who has Steve Clifford, who's a good coach, that's another thing. I don't, I don't. I'm not sure if I trust Lloyd Pierce too much yet. Yeah, like it's really weird. But last year, their starting lineup was Trey Young, Kevin Huter, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and it was a variation between Alex Len, Bruno Fernando, and Cam Reddish. So obviously, they're getting a major upgrade this upcoming season, and it's a huge possibility that they make the playoffs as well. Did I just hear somebody say that? Orlando is the surefire spot in the playoffs. No, Nobody no, but there. Oh. So, so we, so we said no. no we're so saying we that's said to compete with. So we said the Bucks, the Raptors, the Bucks, the Raptors, the yes. Celtics, the Heat, the Sixers, and the Nets are locks for the that's playoffs. Con- considering health, everybody stays healthy. That's six teams. So then you have the Pacers, the Magic, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Hawks are all going to be competing for those you're last gonna, two spots. You just going to throw the Hornets before the Bulls. Oh, I forgot. the Bulls are one of them too, but I guess so. You could talk the about Bulls, the Bulls. They they need a lot of development. Don't do that to us. Don't don't don't. We would. You know what? I, I got time. I mean, I think you're pretty even with Charlotte, but you know it's I wanna, the same I, thing. It's going to be hard to make the playoffs, and but I think Atlanta can do it. They have mm-hmm. the talent too. I think the most important thing for you guys this year was head coach. 
Because firing Jim Boylan automatically was a big plus. So I would put Charlotte and Chicago in that. Yeah. And I would also put the Knicks in that category. You know what You know what is? We'll talk about that later. I could see those are three young teams that I could see, depending on their rookie talent, I could see them panning out to slide into I the I think AC. if Atlanta gets – I think if all their young guys improve and since – the uh, new additions know their roles. From what I'm hearing, Danilo knows he's coming off the bench. I think they'll be okay. Atlanta, I believe. What what seed were they in the Eastern Conference last season? Like thirteenth. Uh, last season they finished in fourteenth. Fourteenth. Okay, second a team, to last. A team that was above them was the Knicks. I'm guessing they finished thirteenth. <laughs> they finished twelfth, and the, the Knicks, Pistons finished right above them. The Knicks this offseason had one goal and one thing they should have done, and that was to get a point guard in the building, and they failed to do it. Despite that, they had a pretty good draft. They drafted the National College Basketball Player of the Year in Obi Toppin. They drafted the they signed the Big East Player of the Year in Miles Powell, and they drafted the SEC Player of the Year in Emmanuel Quickly. With that being said, do you think that the Knicks offseason was a success or was it a failure? I liked what the Knicks did this offseason. I thought they did really well in the draft. I didn't think Obi Toppin was going to be available at 8, so to get a talent like that that far back was a a W for them, I would say. And the biggest concern with Obi Toppin, like we've talked about, is his defense. So bringing him into a Tom Thibodeau system is a perfect fit. You saw Leon Rose working his connections already, bringing in a Kentucky guard and Emmanuel Quickly, who I've mentioned. I'm high on Kentucky guards. They've been very successful over the past decade or so in the league. So maybe he's the guy. Maybe it's Tyrese Maxey with the Sixers. Maybe it's both of them, or maybe it's neither of them. But I like Kentucky guards, so I think I thought that was a good pickup. And Miles Powell, I thought, was an underrated guy who flew under the radar of a lot of teams. But he can come in and automatically give you some scoring output off the bench, which is something the Knicks have lacked the past few years at the guard position. And I, one of the most important things I think they did all season, I'll say two things. One, they, didn't, they, they weren't reckless with their money. They didn't go out and get a bad contract for, just for a name. Russell Westbrook is the name that comes to mind. They didn't overpay to go and get Russell Westbrook. I... I thought it would have been a mistake to give Gordon Hayward the contract that the Hornets gave him, and they were in discussions with him. So they didn't reach for a guy that they didn't need and they weren't ready for yet. I don't think they're ready for a big contract like that, especially for guys of that caliber, you know, trending down, not going to take you very far. And also, they shed a lot of money. Uh, Contracts that I thought weren't great, and so now they have cap space. They also got off a lot of the older guys on the team, so now the young men are going to have a chance to grow and develop in their roles. And I thought that Tom Thibodeau was a good signing at the coaching position, so I like the core that they're developing. I think that this is something that we haven't seen for the Knicks over the past decade, maybe since the Ewing and Starks days. Because even the Carmelo Carmelo team, that was a bought team. They went out, they bought Stoudemire. They went out, they bought Carmelo in trades. Now they're bringing in their young talent, and they're developing it. And I think that that is, you look at the Warriors, the the latest dynasty in the NBA, and that's how they did it. I think that that is the more sustainable business plan. And then obviously, from there, you're going. Not really, the Lakers built their team. Yes, dynasties, Warriors, Warriors are once in a generation. The Bulls terms drafted of, their dynasty. In terms of, in terms of dynasty. Yeah, I guess so. But I'm saying I, I a lot think, of teams that win championships buy their way. I think that this is a good way 
to start because I feel like the Knicks were trying to base too much off of going out and getting a superstar without putting anything into it. Now they've put in the, the groundwork for the core. And this is something that's going to lower a big-time free agent. This is what's going to attract a Giannis to New York. You you bring that talent in, like, and it'll make it attract. Because I know you're going to dispute what I'm going to say. I'm not. I know, because you, you, you just said go. that. So then let me go. Let me go. No, let me and, go. All right, you can go. You can go. I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I, I've me and Joel, we used to go back and forth on Twitter all the time about the Bulls and the Knicks. And I, I'm one of the few that, but I really, and I was watching Joel argue with a few guys on Twitter the other day, and I feel like they were wrong. Like, I like the moves the Knicks have been making this offseason. You know, they brought in Tom Thibodeau, an A-plus defensive coach. He does play his guys a lot of minutes, I know. But he's an A-plus defensive coach, a guy who can get it done. He has success in the NBA. Now, he hasn't won a chip. He was in sister coach for Boston when they won a chip. And the Bulls, he's, they made the ECF. They won teams, grit, grind, all that good stuff. They brought in a new player development. They, they brought in a new player development coach. They brought in guys who are ready to work. You got a whole new everything. You got R.J. Barrett, Mitch Robinson. You got Emmanuel Quickly. Like he said, guards at Kentucky, they know how to play. They come in day one, they know what to play. Obi Toppin, I'm not so high, but he's NBA ready. Like, he's ready to play from day one. You didn't do what you did last year. You know, you paid Julius Randle just because. Dumb move. You didn't do that this year. You go out and guys off one-year deals. Guys who are rentals. You know, guys that are just going to come in. They did the same thing this offseason. There was Noel, Alec Burks. They're all one-year rentals. rentals. I'm saying last year you paid Julius Randle. A, a two years. Yeah, and you, was just, you were just I, throwing. I money. also think that. Nah, really. I the also, only guy we paid was Julius Randle. Paid Bobby Portis eighteen million. One year though. Yeah, but eighteen. It's mil. a one year contract. But eighteen. Mil. But it's a one year. But come contract. on, bro. What did you pay I him think eighteen that, mil? For? I think that Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks were much more wise decisions than guys yeah, like Reggie Bullock okay. and Taj Gibson. Look, the positives about the New York Knicks offseason is that they drafted well. I think, you know, I'm, we don't know how they're going to turn out, but from what I see, what I think, I think they drafted pretty well. They didn't go out and spend money stupidly, which is a good sign. I mean, they should have never. Oh, my God. If they got Gordon Hayward, I would have went insane. <laughs> and if they would have got bogged on. It's, you, you know what's you know what's ridiculous to me? What's ridiculous to me is that people love to bash the Knicks about how they did, how they didn't make moves this offseason. But if we would have paid Bogdan Bogdanovich $18 million for three years, for people would have been clowning the Knicks yeah, right now. Any, anybody who's... Anybody who's telling you the Knicks were wrong to not not go out and make those moves, they don't know what they're talking about yeah, because yeah. the Knicks aren't there yet. Yeah, for certain. But I'll, I'll say this. Along with the positives comes negatives. And this, there's some negatives in this offseason that like what? they can still overwrite if they sign a guy. We don't have a point guard. And when you yeah. talk about when you talk about the Knicks last year and the Knicks this year, did they get better? Did they get better? I mean, last year's starting lineup – this was the lineup that had the highest percentage, highest win percentage, and they only played eight games. The Knicks, the Knicks had 20 different starting lineups. This lineup played eight games. Alfred Payton, I know it. R.J. Barrett, Mo Harkless, Julius Randle, and Taj Gibson. Alfred Payton and Barrett are probably going to start again. Julius Randle, are we sure Obi Toppin on day one is going to start over Randle? I'm not sure about that. You should. You should. <laughs> maybe maybe he should, but is he? I'm not sure about that. So let's just say Randall starts. Now, Gibson, you, you slot in. Is he a free in, agent? He is. But now you, you slot in Mitch, which is an upgrade, but Mitch gets into foul trouble, which is why he came off the bench in the first place. But let's just say you start Mitch. 
Now, who's your three? Or Alec, Alec Burks. Burks? You know, he he's okay. He averaged 18 last year, shot pretty good from three. But is that a major upgrade over Mo Harkless? Slightly. Like, I don't think it's too much of an upgrade. He's he's a he's a minus defender. Mo Harkless is a better defender. So you're basically going out there this season with the same damn lineup. And I don't think I've ever seen this problem happen with any other team before where we have too many bad players. Who are who are they going to give minutes to? That's what I'm thinking because if our start, starting lineup is Barrett, Peyton, Burks, Randall, and Mitch, Obi topping off the bench, good. Miles Powell. Nernos Noel is a lock to come off the bench. Austin Rivers is a lock to get minutes. Then who gets those minutes? Nilakina, Bullock, Knox, Quickly, Powell. Oh, Nil- I forgot Pe- about. I totally forgot about Kevin Knox. I didn't. He People, sucks. Pe- that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not so forget about out, outside of Obi, Noel, and Rivers, who are you giving minutes to? Because all these guys are like the same type of player. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? emphasize developing Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina and forget about Miles Powell and Emmanuel quickly? Or are you going to be like, Kevin Knox is not that good. We're not going to give him minutes. Like they have too many guys that they don't have enough minutes to develop the young guys. And that's a problem. And my, my dream scenario starting lineup this season, one, I hope the Knicks go out and sign a point guard. Reggie Jackson is still out there. They should sign Reggie Jackson. You think because so? he's a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. They should have never signed Alfred Payne. They should have signed Reggie Jackson. I would have been fine with Reggie Jackson. I wanted Jeff Teague. I would have been fine with Reggie. But based on this roster, this is the starting lineup that should be out there because of spacing. And yeah, just spacing. Austin Rivers, Alec Burks, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Mitchell Robinson. That should be the day one starting lineup. It should Don't be. start Alfred Payton. Start Austin Rivers at the point. I agree with you there. And and I think that we can revisit this come the season and we see how Tom Thibodeau handles it. But one thing that I will say is, although it might not look on paper as though the roster improved, it's more of a, a cleansing, for lack of a better word. And I watched it with the Nets where, you know, the season before D'Angelo Russell really exploded and they became a playoff team, it didn't it didn't seem like the Nets were doing anything. But quietly, they were making the right moves, bringing in Joe Harris, bringing in D'Angelo Russell. Although they seemed like nothing moves, they were guys they knew they could develop. And although they went under the radar, you see what they eventually became and what they built. It was building that core, building that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Culture. They built a culture. And although then they, they quickly abandoned that culture to go out and get KD and Kyrie, building a culture is not normally, unless you're the Spurs or even maybe the Warriors, it's not something you build and keep growing over years. It's something you build, and then you use that as your platform to go get talent. And I'll I think this. that's what the Knicks are doing right I'll now. I'll say this. This season, the Knicks season, heavily relies on R.J. Barrett's development, but also... I was talking about this to my cousin. Mitchell Robinson to this point hasn't proven he can be a starter because of his foul trouble, because of his minutes restriction. That's a good point. I think Thibodeau's going to change all that. No, yeah, I think so too, but yeah. he's still a question mark too. As much as us Nick fans want to believe he's a sure thing, he is still a question mark. He has a lot of potential, but he's never played 30 minutes a game. IQ. But to be fair, I think RJ Barrett still has question marks too. No, I think so too, and that's what I'm saying is that it's just hard because Alec Burks is by far, I think, our best shot at starting. He has the best shot at starting over guys like, I mean, 
Who? Who? Guys like who? Neil Aquino. Ke- um, stop. Reggie Sing Bullock. Thing, please. Reggie Bullock. Kevin Knox. Like he's a surefire <laughs> thing to please. start. He's terrible. And it's just, it's just the Knicks are in a weird situation. I don't think they got, they got maybe a little slightly better from last season, but this is still a flawed roster. I think what people fail to forget is a very flawed. When roster. Mitch got drafted, he didn't play college ball. Like he just, he he didn't play any ball. He was just practicing and getting ready for. I the forgot. NBA. Dennis Smith Jr. is still here with yeah. us, too. Oh, he's Barely. not playing. I think I, we have Omari Spellman, too. He came. Oh, my God. Got a lot of young guys. I like that move for you, though. Omari, yeah, Omari but okay, where, is he going to get minutes over our guys that need to get minutes to develop? Like, it's just no, the Knicks, he, It's weird right now. Our I think Emmanuel Clickley needs to get minutes. There are a couple people that... I, I agree. There are a couple people that I think the Knicks need to get off the roster. Oh. And Julius Randle is one of them, for sure. But there are a couple guys that I but think are blocking... I, I don't want to give up Julius Randle, and I know it's an unpopular opinion among amongst Knicks fans, because I think Julius Randle, if he comes off the bench for Obi Toppin, Julius Randle can be one of the better six men in the NBA. Yeah, he he'll average sixteen to eighteen off the bench, eight rebounds, and he'll be efficient. The question's not talent. He's got the talent. My biggest problem with him is one: I don't think he would be willing to accept the bench role. Two: I think he would. He's he's what else is going to do? By by all accounts, not a hard worker, not a good locker room guy, and that's not what you need when you're building that culture. But I don't. No, my thing with Randall is just his his shot taking. I think yeah, like his, shot, yeah, his yeah. IQ. I don't know about the leader and hard working. Yeah, yeah, I don't know I, him I don't personally. Know about but, all that, but his shot no, I'm just is saying based, based on what I've heard, like that's not a guy well, that you, you can't want lead around. A team that's guys. not good. It's, it just doesn't. Proper that way, I mean, but they're but you can though. It's it's not about leading them to victories. Remember, Randall's a young guy too. He's he's also he's only like 25, 26. He's still a young guy in a sense too. And with me, Randall is well, just his shot taking. For like them, he's IQ. a veteran though. For them, he's a veteran. I think last year the veteran was more Taj Gibson. You know, that yeah. Was but now, Portis. but yeah. now that's the role that he has to come well, into and fill. See, like, and I don't think he can do that. I I hope he proves me wrong. But to, but I don't think he's I mean, shown you know, anything. I hate, he can I, do hate that. To, I hate to answer the question so late, but. Was the Knicks offseason a success or a failure? I think it's in the between for you. I think draft-wise, it was a success. Free agency-wise, because we didn't sign any big-time free agents, I guess I'll say success too. But overall, I'm, I'm in between on it because we didn't get a point guard, which is what we needed. I think, to be fair, there wasn't nobody worth throwing out that money for this I, year. I agree with you. Yeah, and, but we could. I think we should have just I, got I a think, Jeff Teague or something. I think... Alfred, that would have been a fine I think move. the knock on Alfred Payton, you guys are going a little crazy. I, I he do shot twenty percent from three. No, he's a horrible three. But you need a. You said you want a point guard. He's he is a very good yeah, point but we need, guard. No, I wouldn't say very good. He's, he's, a, play, he's, he's a very good playmaker. He's an okay playmaker. What I'd say is that we need a point guard that can space the floor as well. This guy, he, yeah, he'll he, get no, he he'll shoot. get left open from Canada. Nobody's no, yeah, right. nobody's <laughs> nobody's gonna. You would rather start Austin Rivers. Like that's the that's your uh, next back thing. Austin yes, Rivers? Austin Rivers is the next best thing. Who really? else? Who, who are you going to start? A guy who's been a backup for a very long time. You would he start a, him? He averaged 15 when he got 30 minutes a game. That in was the, a long time ago. No, that was to, like two or three seasons ago. To answer the question, I'm going to tentatively say yes. Based on the base. <laughs> yes, I'm that. so serious. On the basis. There's no thing as tanking no more. Yeah, you can't. On the basis oh, that I'm trusting your new player development staff to get the young talent that you've brought in. So now you're banking on Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, maybe even Emmanuel Quickly, Miles Powell, 
Yeah, Maybe even if you're point. going to go crazy, Frank Nittlekina and Kevin Knox to improve no, at I, least a I, little I, bit. I like this Frank Nittlekina. I want them to give him so minutes. Kevin Knox De- def- defensively, I like him. Yeah, I think he's limited offensively. He's a backup. But this is the thing: is that he's Chris em- Emmanuel Dunn. Emmanuel quickly is he a point guard, a shooting guard? It's like a very combo. He's not a. He's not much of a playmaker. He no, can he, space he, the he floor. Was, I would know this because Kentucky played three guards. He was when he needed to be. But he's more of a scoring guard. I see him more a point guard than shooting guard. Personally, I see him small. Like he, he's a combo. But to that's me. the thing; they need to give guys like quickly minutes. Yeah, and 100%. who? He's like I, a Fred I think, And it really just depends because Miles Powell, like we talk about him, but it's still a question mark. He has yeah. to go into their training camp and literally show out. Yeah, and they're and they're gonna see. So I, I again, I'll tentatively say yes, but I. I might amend that answer when we see Tom Thibodeau's rotations and how they play this out. And if the players develop, because right now I'm trusting mm-hmm. that new development staff that you guys yeah, brought in. But I do agree with both of you. The Knicks didn't go out and spend spend stupidly, so that's a success Kudos, in yeah, kudos to them for that. They'll be, they'll be, bro, you guys would be good, bro, because we need basketball in the Big Apple, and it's terrible that you yeah. guys are just wasting it. Even as a Net fan, I, I, I there's nothing better the than Knicks. when the Knicks are good, because when the Knicks are good, New York is shining and it's happy. It's one of the greatest cities in the world. I you have, suck. I have no hatred for the Knicks. I want that rivalry, because when you guys are good, the Downtown Nets are bad. Downtown is very quiet. Think about play. that one year that the Nets and Knicks overlapped when you guys had Jason Kidd and Carmelo, and the Nets had Here's D. Will that. and Joe Johnson. You guys were like weak. They were two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks, no, 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 no. the Knicks were a we top were seed than you in the Eastern guys at the Conference. Time. They were. Look, did you see the Derrick Rose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, no, no. Was, I, I'm yeah, talking oh. about New York basketball. Oh, okay, okay. Though. I mean, they were better than you guys. I'm but talking about New York basketball, but they were right there and competitive, and those the, games were awesome. The Pierce. Knicks are a team that surprisingly didn't spend in all in free agency. We're going to talk about a team that did. The Charlotte Hornets, well, they just paid one player, but they paid one player too much in my eyes. <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets paid Gordon Hayward $120 million for four years. He's getting $30 million a year. They have to do a sign-in trade to even make the salaries work and get rid of Nicholas Batum. Did anybody know if it was all guaranteed? I, I believe it was. It should be. It's a basketball contract. They're usually all guaranteed. But, you know, needless to say, I think nah, this— No, contract isn't guaranteed. Okay. I'm pretty sure Gordon Hayward's whole contract is guaranteed. To me, I believe that this was the worst move in free agency. And if you were going to give a guy $30 million in Gordon Hayward, you might as well just trade for Russell Westbrook and not get Gordon and get a guy, you know, get a get actually star. I, I like Gordon Hayward as a role player guy, not making the most money on my roster. The fact that he was able to capitalize on a max contract with the with the Celtics, then now with the Hornets, is really unbelievable. This is a guy who's been a borderline all-star when he's been at his best. He's a guy that you think about and say, hmm, should he be in the all-star game? Uh, I guess. He's not a guy that's a surefire all-star. And the last time he did it was with the Jazz, I believe, in 2016. He hasn't been an all-star since then. And he's coming off a season where he's averaging, he averaged 17 points per game. But do you trust his health? I mean, I think in terms of basketball, it's a good fit. You got a guy who can score. But I think this was a bad move because the Hornets just freed up cap by, oh, well, they were close to because Nicholas Batum's awful contract was about to be over. And now you get involved in another awful contract in Gordon Hayward. Like I said, I like the basketball fit, just the whole optics of it and how much money they paid him, I think, was ridiculous and they were willing to even pay Montrezl Harrell nineteen million, so uh, it would have been a trapped roster if they did that. 
I think they were just scrambling at the moment. They were in need of just some type of good basketball being played in Charlotte. I do think, you know, Gordon Hayward's a guy who, like you said, it's a good basketball fit. He could come in, he can score, he can play make, he can play average defense. So I, I think it's a good basketball. But 30 mil, I, I don't know because we've seen him for the past two years as a fourth option. You know, the fourth option on Boston, it was – well, no, last year we seen him as a fourth option, the year before it as a third. So it's it's confusing. I don't know what we're going to see now. He's coming in as a number one. So we're going to see how he's really going to play the last time we seen him as a number one is when he was actually fully healthy with Utah. And even then in Utah, their best player in the playoffs come down to stretch I'll with be, Joe Johnson. I'll be honest, though. I don't know if he'll be the number one. Because I think, I think at, walking in, though. at this point in their careers, Rozier, Graham, and Hayward are kind of all the same level scores in terms of yeah. how they can score and stuff. So I think it'd I be think like... I think more efficient. In a yeah, yeah, of. definitely. But I think they'd be like a combo of the three. So maybe some nights Gordon has, maybe he doesn't. He'll be able to take a back seat and be able to let guys score. You know, and also LaMelo's there. So who knows what he's going to yeah. be on day one. And, and I personally hated this move. And I know that me and you talked about the Hornets when the day that Riv couldn't be here, I believe two episodes ago now, when we were talking about the draft and everything. Uh, I, I was praising the Hornets. I thought that they had been doing a great job, and I thought they had a really nice crop of young talent between Bridges, P.J. Washington, you got, you're set at the Graham spot. Rozier, and now bringing in LaMelo Ball. If they were going to sign somebody, why not go out and get a five, the one position that you're pretty weak at? Well, they brought back Bismack. I, I yeah, just do have I, I don't think that this move made any sense because now the next four years, basketball-wise, we were even talking before this deal about how many shots Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham were going to take away from LaMelo Ball. So now how many more shots is Gordon Hayward going to take away from him? I think it'll make it easier for LaMelo to have he better players. He can just players. smooth into it because yeah. now he's a great playmaker. That was always his best asset. So now you so can, I, I think he, this move does help LaMelo, but at but I think it, it's just too much money for Gordon Hayward. To be fair, Tobias Harris gets paid more. If he didn't have if he didn't already have Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, I would agree at least you're bringing in somebody to play alongside him. They already have that talent. Although it's all at the same position, I maybe you could have went out and traded one of those two guys. I just don't like, again, like you said, the optics of it. Like now you just brought in a guy that you hope is going to be a superstar, has the potential to be a superstar, and you're going to be taking the ball out of his hands more. And then on top of that, He's going to be blocking out younger guys like Bridges, like P.J. Washington, blocking minutes them. And then for the next four years, you're going to be paying him $30 million a year, right? And that's coming right off the tails of the Batum contract. You already have Terry Rozier making $20 million a year. So, like, I just don't understand the spending of the cap, especially when there's better free agency classes coming up. You're building yourself to be a bit but of a no, destination. No, no, no superstar free agents coming to Charlotte, though. You, were, you wouldn't think so, but... You there are certain draws to it. Michael Jordan in the front yeah, office. So. You have Lamelo, who's box office. Best, best to build I, draft. I, you know, I think that's one of the most overrated points that gets brought up with Charlotte. Michael Jordan's in the front office. Nobody cares. Well, you Honestly, say that, I, but I, you I never don't think know. players really care. I bet you, you if Michael Jordan know. was in the Knicks office, that you'd care. No, I no, yeah. I genuinely don't think that players care that Michael Jordan is in the front office. Especially especially with the with the uh rep that Michael Jordan has gotten with all due respect as a human being. 
and I, being really and and being really mean. I I just I for me I wouldn't be surprised to see that be a draw for I mean, somebody. He smacked Malik Monk in his head because he made a mistake. But okay, but come on, bro. He little broed him. Like what yeah, are you that, doing? That's <laughs> like, ridiculous, though. What are what other owner would you want to play for other think, than the greatest of all time? I think Charlotte should build through the draft. I think that's their best bet. An owner that doesn't have but a they bad but they were doing as that. Owner. But they were doing that. They had Lamelo. They had Bridges. They had PJ Washington. Know, I think they brought Gordon Hayward in because. In a sense, it brings in that veteranship, you know, that guy who can come in who knows how to win in a they sense. They could have done that for not $120 million over four so give years. Me a better option. Any other veteran in the league DeMar that wouldn't have cost the $30 million. It, di- it didn't have to be a star, though. That's oh, okay, the thing. Okay. It didn't have to be a star. I mean, with me, I, know, I don't even think that they should have really brought a veteran. I think yeah, they should have fine they with just signed some, some guest veteran guys. but Fill out the end of the rotation. Yeah, but I think the rotation of LaMelo, Rozier, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, Cody Zeller, Vernon Carey Jr., I think that would have been a young... Promising. A good, a good young stepping stone to something even better. I mean, now you give yourself a better chance to fall out of the lottery, if anything, with Hayward, and you need a star player. But even with Hayward, I think they're a lottery team. I, I don't. There, there's a slight chance they make the playoffs, very slight. Yeah. But I don't think they're better than a team than like Atlanta. Or exactly. It, it really depends, though, because we. It really just depends on how good Lamelo is. They well, are. we put Let's that. We put honest. them in that. I don't know if you guys agree with me. I put them in that category in with that the fringe, Bulls and the in Knicks. The, we put them in the category. They could of be fringe. They can if everything goes right. I think them, us, and the Knicks are no, in the same would, category. No, are in the same boat. But you you overpay for players when you're in a position to win now, and you need I don't one. Think you need they are. you need one more guy to get you. Hundred percent. You don't do it when you're not in any position to win at all. And that was one of the biggest things I praised them for. I, I said. They're doing a great job of getting themselves to a place where they can go out and get that star. Yeah, that's true. And they just, it's like they just jumped the gun. And I don't know why they did it. The one thing that I totally forgot to mention before, the play-in games have been implemented. So now anybody from, anybody up to the 10th seed is going to have a, a even better shot of making the playoffs. So they really, like, that's official now? It's official. The so it's going to be the 10th seed as well, right? Yeah, it's going to be the 9, 10. There's going to be the 9-10 If the game. records are close or just... Whoever's the 10th seed. So whoever's the, the 10th seed and the 9th seed will play a game. And whoever's the 7th and 8th seed will play a game. And the winner... So of, I'm going to be honest. I think in terms of like talent-wise and their, how high they can finish in the East, they could I, go think, I, could I see think them Charlotte and there. Atlanta are this, kind of the same. I, I think, Atlanta, I think Atlanta, Atlanta's made more splash moves. But when you look at it, I think the Hornets can compete with them. I think Atlanta has more talent, but again, like I said with Indiana, Charlotte just has a better fit. Like I think it, Atlanta has more depth than Charlotte. Yeah, and that's 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 what I I, I think was kind of Charlotte alluding to is too talent. Built on the young guys. You, I think Atlanta like eight young guys. I think Atlanta has too much question marks in terms of defense. I think at, I think Charlotte, you you mu- you know much more what you're gonna get. Outside of Lamelo, because who knows how he's going to be. Well, but yeah. but like you know, I know Trey Young is a is a budding star, maybe superstar. But and there's a there's a scenario where Lamelo can be better than him because he's a six so seven down the line. Yeah, or yeah. maybe like if like if he comes really good off the bat, maybe he can be better than him as soon as next year in two seasons. You because know, look six, at how quickly seven, Trey developed. Yeah, and if he's very good defensively, you know, you can go into a game. You know, if I'm going into a game and I'm Charlotte and I'm facing Atlanta, 
you know, I trust LaMelo to not only probably defend Trey but, Young but, pretty but, good. Well, we're assuming that LaMelo's going to play the one. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it, he's a point guard. So if I'm going into a game and my point guard is LaMelo and theirs is Trey Young, I'm pretty confident that my guy can get the better of him that even, night. Even though I think that Trey Young is the better player, I think that LaMelo yeah. has, has the really advantage. Is he the better player? I think LaMelo has the advantage in the matchup just because defensively LaMelo is better, That's so he has point. a better is chance to really stop it. I think LaMelo's La question mark is defense, but I think he has all the talent to be a I really great defender. I think it's more defensive yeah. mindset. Mm-hmm. Exactly, think, exactly. And wanting to play defense. Yeah. But he can definitely do it. I think offensively, they they Lamelo could reach Trey Young's status very soon. I think that this move was very short sighted. It was a move of somebody that doesn't have a vision for down the line. Like the Packers are playing right now. No, no. Never mind. Go ahead. Just do me it, off. It, it, it's a vision of a. I feel like an owner and a team and a GM that just isn't looking to the future. They're looking to how can we make the playoffs right now? Which if the Nets did that, but the Nets were in Brooklyn. They were this hip franchise. You needed, needed to do that. Exactly. And it worked for them. They brought in the perfect pieces, and they trusted their system. I don't trust the Hornets to do the same, especially in Charlotte, where, like you said, what free agent is going to willingly go to Charlotte? You're, you know, essentially ho- hoping for a prayer. So I thought, I thought it was a bad move. I do, too. These five players. Oh boy! These five players oh, up on the screen Fox right now: Darren Fox, uh, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Brandon Ingram, Donovan Mitchell. They all got max contracts now. Four of these guys are from the 2017 draft class. One guy and Brandon Ingram from 2016. And this is a this simple question: Which player would you want for the five for the next five years to lead your franchise? What player are you Let going me with? start by saying this. De'Aaron Fox shouldn't be in this conversation. So I, I hope nobody's answer is De'Aaron Fox. Nah, I like De'Aaron Fox. No, but he's I a agree. good player, but I'm talking about in terms of leading a franchise, there I, should be. I think he could be an all star. Like, I think he'll be an all star talent down the road, but. That's cool and all. There's, I don't think he's in this category. There should be only two smart answers in this. I think. And I'm going Donovan Mitchell. I really? think this is the one guy who we've seen lead a team as a rookie come in year two be the best offensive player on the team and lead a pretty, let's be honest, it's a regular offense, to the playoffs and be the best player on the team. Argument can definitely be made for Jason Tatum. Obviously, this guy is one of the best. But Donovan Mitchell is the best offensive player on his team. The offense runs with him. When Ricky Rubio left, he was their guy as a playmaker too. And and we've seen it in the playoffs, 250 ball games. Now, granted, they did blow a 3-1 lead. It happens, but I feel like with Bogdan, if he would have played – they would have definitely won that series. And your second player was was Tatum, the guy, the second guy that you wanted. Yeah, to we'll go Tatum team. at two, and then Bam at a very, very strong three. Joel, I want to hear your opinion on this because I you already kind of alluded to it. I think Donovan Mitchell. I really do think it's. I think it's between two to three guys. You know, I'd put Brandon Ingram in that category, but the reason I'm ex- I can't do that. the reason I'm excluding Ingram from that category is because all I've seen him do to this point is put up good numbers on a bad team. I think Zion was so pass him too. I think the two players that are you can either pick this guy or the other guys, Donovan Mitchell or Jason Tatum. And I'm going Jason Tatum, man. I'm going there. Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum all day. And I say that because Donovan you talk about Donovan Mitchell leading a mediocre offense, actually pretty bad offense. They're only good defensively pretty much, elite defensively. 
And I say that because Donovan Mitchell averaged 24 points per game as the first option, not really having a solidified other option outside of Bogdanovich. That was just Mike, last year. Too. Yeah, and Mike Conley was up and down. Jason Tatum is averaging 24 points per game, shooting more efficiently than Donovan Mitchell as well. And he has to share the basketball with Kemba Walker, with Jalen Brown, Brown, with Gordon Hayward, with multiple guys, and he's still putting up these numbers. I think if he was on Utah, he'd average 28 to 29 points per game. And that's just me. I think Tatum is the better defender. He can defend more positions than Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a more efficient scorer. And I think in the modern NBA, the most important position is the wing position. Jason Tatum, he has limitless potential. I can see him being a top five player in the league. And the sky's the limit for him. I'm going with Jason Tatum. I'm, I'm... I have it narrowed down to three. And my three, I actually thought that one of these three got majorly disrespected. Bam Adebayo. No, I feel like his offense is just so limited at this point. I think it's more of the system that he plays in that he was so successful. I don't think I, I don't that. think it's that. I, no, I, I don't I, think I it's do, that. I think it's that because think, they, they put him in great situations to make these I think passes from the post. I think defensively, though, he was always going to have no, that. Defensively, he's elite. Yeah. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that there is a... I, I wouldn't take him over Tatum or Mitchell. Yeah, me either. So uh, yeah. I don't think he's in the conversation. I oh. I, I, I think I think Mitchell and Tatum are can be superstars. I don't think Bam can be that. I, I definitely think that Bam could be a superstar. There's no no question in my <laughs> mind I think Bam could be a superstar. Oh. What is what does Giannis do that he doesn't do? Dominate. But but What's the biggest complaint about Giannis? He can't shoot the ball, right? No, no, he, he's very bad in a half-court offense. Bam will not be Giannis. No, I'm not saying he will. <laughs> you, you just said, what can he do that he can't do? And that wasn't saying that he's going to be Giannis. But if you're, if you're saying that he can do everything Giannis can do... I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I was asking you what... Giannis does that he doesn't do. This. What do, you, what do you have to I'll do? I'll answer it for you since neither of you have given me an answer. He doesn't shoot the three ball. And, that's about it. And that's the he same needs, thing. Well, he needs, he he's needs not as good of a playmaker. He he's not go. as good of a playmaker. And that's the only difference, in my opinion, between them right now. I think Bam might Giannis, be a better playmaker. Giannis does, what Bam, Giannis does what Bam does better. Yeah. But I think that that is something that he can shoot for. Do I think he'll reach what Giannis is? No, I'm that's not like saying, saying that. I'm, I'm going to be honest. That's like saying J.J. Redick does what Wayne Ellington can do better. No, that's literally No, that's literally no, 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 no. LeBron does what Ben Simmons can do but better. That's literally it. Yeah. You're literally doing that right now. Yeah. LeBron and Ben Simmons are literally what you're doing right <laughs> and now. And I think that's a fair comparison. Ben Simmons is a star. But, but we know that Ben Simmons will never reach that. Just yeah. like we know Bam will never reach that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. I want to say this. I want to say this, Jack. I want to say this. I want to, I want to, hold on. Let me, let me just, you said Tatum, the wing and all that good stuff. And you think he, I think him playing with those other stars, though, I think that also benefited him in the fact that he doesn't have to see as much defensive attention as Donovan Mitchell because you have to pay attention to Jalen Brown. You also have to pay attention to Kemba. I do think that helps in his efficiency. I do think Jason Tatum is the better shooter, though. But I think Donovan Mitchell, he's more like a Dwayne Wade. I think we all could agree in the sense that attacking the basket, that's his thing. But to you, what you said, no. <laughs> like... Bam and no, Giannis, what? No, no, Bam and Giannis, in a sense, Bam scores off dunks and putbacks. He doesn't score the way Giannis scores. It, Around the rim. No, 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 but you're, but you're just making it seem like Bam gets the ball. We see him get the ball. He does a move here. He does a little spin. And he can and he just, just run dunks, to the basket. Yeah, he yeah. just dunks on him from the free throw line. No, can't do that. Bam scores off a oop, 
or he gets an offensive rebound Bam and had, he puts it back. Bam had stretches this season where he looked fairly dominant. Uh, Giannis looks dominant all year. Yes, all and, year. And, and Two I'm years saying, in a row. and I'm saying. That there, I'm not. I I never said What'd that Bam was so, Giannis. So, I never so, said that Bam was going to be Giannis. So but I you, said that I see streaks of Giannis in his game. We've seen okay, Wait, hold who on. are you Joel, taking hold on, hold on. though? Who are Joel, you taking to go for the next five years? Though? And again, thank you, Joel, for getting me back on track. You, we've seen I, streaks of Paul George playing like an MVP level too. What's your point though? Like, no, I get it. Just let him finish his top. Who's, who's who I'm taking is Jason Tatum. I That's think true. that anybody would be ridiculous to take anybody else he, right now. Jason Tatum is leading a team. He is leading that Celtics team. I don't care what anybody says. He's the best player on that Celtics team. And although he made some questionable decisions in the playoffs, his shooting was questionable. I think that, like Joel said, he has the highest ceiling out of maybe anybody in the league outside of Luka Luka Doncic right now. Personally, I think think that Jason Tatum is going to be a top three player in the league moving forward. In this next crop of young talent, I just think that he does more than anybody on this graphic. You he, think he does more than Donovan Mitchell? Yes, well, I, think he's team, a, I think he's a much better defender than Donovan Mitchell. For his, but for his team, you think he does more? No, 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 no. You're you're misconstruing what I'm saying. But you also you player, also mentioned as a player he can do more than what Donovan Mitchell does. That's you fair. also along mentioned with being, along with being taller, which is wing. not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Donovan Mitchell can't do anything about that. But you have to take it into consideration. You also mentioned that Donovan Mitchell did whatever he did his rookie year. Tatum did too, and he took that. He led them took in the, the playoffs. Celtics far when Kyrie got To be got fair hurt. though, to be fair though, he didn't do it in the regular season, yeah. but the playoffs. No, the playoffs, he was phenomenal. But to be fair, though, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward were the the top of the top. And that team was play. loaded. Yeah, Kyrie got, Ky- no, Kyrie got hurt in the regular so Gordon season, Hayward. though. Like, they got Gordon him Hayward got Gordon hurt. Hayward didn't play, but you still had Jalen Brown there. Marcus Morris, I think, was still there on that team. That was still a well-rounded team. No, I get it. But like, so we didn't yeah, expect, but so was so no, so that it. Jazz team. was a very well-rounded on team. offense? Well, no, but defensively, they're number one. No, defensively, they're elite. That's But that... but. It doesn't drop off with him playing. Donovan Mitchell is still a really good defender. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, but I'm saying not. that just because Kyrie was there doesn't take away that no, no, Tatum no, was phenomenal no, he, in the playoffs. No, because so they weren't supposed so to be Philly. I think that I think they that, weren't supposed to be Donovan seven Mitchell was Cleveland. phenomenal, too. Yeah, I can like Donovan Mitchell wasn't phenomenal. No, nah, he was. I never said he was. I never said he was phenomenal. In the playoffs. I think because he went farther. Yeah, he went farther. That makes you. And I think that the numbers are better, too. I think they're pretty much the same. Probably the same. I think that Mitchell's defense gets inflated a little bit by the fact that he plays with a great defensive supporting cast. You could say the same thing about Jason Tatum. No, I just think that skill-wise, Jason so. Tatum is a better they, they defender. They never really had a rim protector. Well, I mean, but they still have Daniel Tice, who's a plus defender. They have Jalen Brown, who guards the best player on the other He's team. not Rudy Gobert, though. That is fair to say. And I just think that... In ten- nobody on nobody on the perimeter for for them is Marcus Smart. I just though. think that his me- Jason Tatum's measurables put him over the top of Donovan Mitchell because that's nothing that Donovan Mitchell could ever be unless he hits a crazy growth spurt at twenty two. That's fair to say. Yeah. Twenty three, twenty four. Actually, he's the and again he's the oldest out of the three of those guys that I mentioned in my three. Mm-hmm. He's older than De'Aaron Fox. No, 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 out of the three. Oh. He's older than Bam and Jason Tatum. That's so, my three guys that I would look at. I would say Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Bam, one, two, three. Yeah, I would go Donovan, but I feel like those two at the top, because they've done, they've already, Bam is just getting it started. I feel like Donovan and Jason Tatum, they, we'd already seen that. These two would be superstar level talents. But let me ask you a quick question. So we dropped the two other guys. So since, out of 
Fox and Ingram, who do you think is the next? Who's next up? Uh, I'd go Fox. Go Fox. I think in the West, that's hard for a point guard. Yeah, but I, I I'd go Fox. I think you know it's it's much more based on your answer. You would position. probably have to go Brandon Ingram because measurables. I think Brandon Ingram's not a good defender, and he's yeah. he's just hard. a volume scorer. Exactly, and, and, and that's why that's Ingram. why I would go with Fox. I, I just think that Ingram is a scorer and nothing beyond that. I think Fox is a great playmaker. I think he's a great defender, and, and I think. I don't think he could lead a team, but I think he could be a bigger part of a championship team than Brandon Ingram could. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Ingram is just – I think people fell in love with the numbers because he was playing yeah, well. Yeah, I just yeah. think he's a high-volume guy. He doesn't really bring you to winning a lot of games. I think Zion's going to surpass him anyways. I agree with you there. So. When it, and, and when I said Bam is a superstar, I don't want that to that. be misconstrued. It, it depends on your definition of superstar. Like, what, do you, what are you considering a superstar? Me personally, are you considering? What do you consider like that you said, you, you told us that a superstar is a guy that can be the best player on the championship team, and you said there's okay. like seven to eight guys in the I don't, that can do that. I don't know said. that. I don't know that Bam will be that. I can, I contradicted myself. I'll admit. I that. think he'll be a star a, player. I, I don't know. I don't know. Years to come. I think he could be on the higher end of star. So to wrap this segment up, you're picking Tatum. I'm picking Tatum. You're picking Mitchell. Okay, we want to hear your pick. Who are you going with five years down the line? Comment that in the chat. Comment it in the video that we're going to put out for the segment. And that, I'm going to come back to this five years later. I really want to see who's better. And that does it for the show. We're going to take callers in, in a few minutes. I'm going to use but this bathroom. does it for the ep- this episode of Pick Aside Podcast. This is episode number 44. If you guys enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Wherever you can find us, listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, hey, first vid without my phone. Yeah, we appreciate all you guys that were watching, listening, and see you next time. This is Trevor Lane from the LakersNation.com podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they're raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash BlueWire.